Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is out. He is traveling to South Florida to offer former President Donald Trump the legal services of the law offices of Markley Van Camp and Robbins, <laughs> Esquire. I think you add the Esquire to make yourself sound more official. No, he's got yeah, the well, day yes. off. Yeah, he's going to. Yeah, and, you know, we, we used to just do personal injury. We broadened our scope. <laughs> we used to. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe we can make a personal injury lawsuit out of this whole thing. Say that he tripped and fell over one of those boxes that were it was at Mar-a-Lago, right? Have you been injured by federal government property? <laughs> property. Call Markley Van Camp and Robbins. Okay, so anyway, you know, can I just tell you one one of the quick one here? Yeah, get to go along with this. I saw I've, I've been seeing this meme passed around that the, the water at Camp Lejeune is now outselling Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, yeah, so there you go. so we all know the big lead story of the day: Donald Trump arrested on federal charges in Miami yesterday. He went back to New Jersey last night for a fundraiser. Uh, where he sort of rallied the troops. And, I mean, now you're looking at a guy who, in the uh, latest round of polling, is polling, what, 40 points higher than Ron DeSantis right now? Because yeah, he's a sympathetic character. We know, we all know, and and that this is a politically motivated prosecution that no other former office holder would be charged with. We all know that. They're going after him. Because they don't like him. Well, it's unprecedented. David. Right, it is. There's a reason why it's unprecedented, too. There's a reason right. why Richard Nixon was pardoned. You know, there, it's it's because, look, you, you don't want to put the country through something like this, and yet that seal has been broken, and we are entering a dark new chapter in American history. I thought it was really funny, though, as Donald Trump went back to New Jersey for a fundraiser, he gave a speech ahead of time. Right. Uh, CNN's Jake Tapper apparently <laughs> yeah. thinks so little of his audience that he had to do an extensive warning to them before playing a clip from the, <laughs> from the yeah. speech. I mean, this doesn't make any sense. How, you, so you're going to air everybody's hot take. You're going to have live footage of the motorcade. You're going to have one of your reporters on the ground in Miami doing the play-by-play of all this nonsense. But as soon as the primary source begins to make public comments, you're going to shut him out. But it's because they want to build the narrative. They don't want him to defend himself because in their minds, he's absolutely guilty. It doesn't matter what the charges are. They feel like for years he's guilty of something. And if he's risking going to prison, it's objectively a good thing in the eyes of people like Jake Tapper on CNN. This was this was remarkable to me that he was calling it potentially dangerous scott yeah, well that they throw that word around all dangerous is everything we um we everything. do have now some of the sound as i told you we're not and the audience we're not carrying his remarks live because frankly he says a lot of things uh that are not true and sometimes potentially dangerous uh but but we do have some uh a small portion so you can get a sense of his state of mind and how he might be framing his defense i want to get your reaction to it let's we're going to start of course i just want to note he begins this uh, this clip we're about to show you by making unfounded claims about the charges against him, untrue and unfounded claims about the charges against him. 
and the people he thinks are behind it. So I just want to preface it by saying that. And, and then at the end of the clip, you're going to hear him frame what could actually be part of his defense. So here's a little clip. So 40 seconds of disclaimer this guy gives out there before you hear a former president who has become the first former president to be indicted on federal charges. The, the, a former president who is currently running for president, who is currently the top contender against the sitting president, Joe Biden. Hearing from him, oh, that takes a lot. We, this could be potentially dangerous, guys. And for context, you know who he's interviewing in this moment? No. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, geez. This guy is seriously yeah, looking at on, AOC man. and saying, well, I know that you're a truth teller, okay? All right? <laughs> Miss cow farts are <laughs> yeah. killing the planet and whatnot. We got to cork, you know, <laughs> cow's butts and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Let's hear what was so dangerous that CNN thinks its audience needs a 40-second preamble before hearing. Here's what Donald Trump said. As soon as my computer decides to unfreeze itself, I should say. <laughs> right. uh, that was great timing. See the deep yeah. states everywhere. No, yeah, but these he was. Things happen, right? Yeah. So he's going after the deep state for just ginning up any charges they can. He's saying that this is a politically motivated arrest, that the current president had him arrested. None of those things are untrue. And yet the tap masters out there saying, well, this is obviously patently untrue and, uh, and, and potentially dangerous. You know, you know, it's dangerous having a president arrest one of his opponents. <laughs> I mean, we were told by Hillary Clinton all those years ago that that was horrifying. The idea of prosecuting a political rival was something that was only done in third world hell holes. And this is like reminiscent of Nazi Germany and whatnot. Okay, here is what Donald Trump said. Today we witnessed the most evil and heinous abuse of power in the history of our country. Very sad thing to watch. A corrupt sitting president had his top political opponent arrested on fake and fabricated charges of which he and numerous other presidents would be guilty right in the middle of a presidential election in which he is losing very badly. This is called election interference and yet another attempt to rig and steal a presidential election. More importantly, it's a political persecution like something straight out of a fascist or a communist nation. This day will go down in infamy, and Joe Biden will forever be remembered as not only the most corrupt president in the history of our country, but perhaps even more importantly, the president who, together with a band of his closest thugs, misfits, and Marxists, tried to destroy American democracy. I love the line, a band of misfits, thugs, and Marxists. That's that's great. The only thing missing there is miscreants. Yeah, Just right. Throw that in there. <laughs> well, too. also, you've yeah. got to throw in the child diddlers. Because well, yeah, those no are there, too. And the luggage yeah. thieves. Right. Um, no, I outside, like, uh, so there was obviously commentary there from the president, and, and you can feel free to disagree with that, have a differing opinion, of course. But on the merits, on the facts, what did he say that was wrong? That I mean, do you want to quibble over the idea that these are fake charges? Well, I technically, no, they're real charges. They have actually been brought against him. But the basic facts that he's laying out are true. Somebody said that Joe Biden directly didn't order this. Okay. I know, exactly. I, 
<laughs> All right. Okay. I mean, yeah. Was Joe yeah. Biden unaware of it? Yeah, well, of course not. Just somebody working on behalf of Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Okay. Yeah. You want to split hairs, I suppose. Right. But also, I I heard that today, though. A commentator said, "Well, you know, Joe Biden didn't order anything. Uh-huh. That's a lie." Uh, well, okay. Again, we actually don't know that. No, first and foremost, that that Joe Biden ordered the code red, and even still, I don't know if he would be capable of doing it. All I know is that he is the head of the executive branch, which just arrested and charged a former president of the United States and top political rival. Those are facts. That's happened. And that is, again, opening up a dangerous part or chapter in American history. And for all the people who are weeping and wailing over the lock her up chance, yeah, give me a break. Okay, all these people who were feigning outrage over how dare he talk about arresting Hillary Clinton, blah, blah, blah. The biggest regret I have, uh, or the biggest lament I guess I have, is that Donald Trump didn't actually do it. No. That seal has been broken. And so Democrats, don't get all, you know, in, don't get your panties in a bunch when a Republican starts playing by these exact rules. Oh, no, they will, too. You know they will. Absolutely, don't. they will. Well, too bad. The Pandora's box is open. I mean, this is it's open season now. It yes. absolutely is. Yeah. Um, uh, Tucker Carlson dropped a, a video last night. I, I want to get to that in a few minutes because that needs, I think, to space to breathe. And, you know, we only have so much time per segment to get to. So we'll, we'll be getting to that in just a few minutes. I thought a lot of what he had to say was really good. Um, meanwhile, the FBI ran 278,000 unlawful searches on American citizens that we know Gosh, of. Gosh, dang. And as part of that, a new stunning revelation came out of that as well. The deputy director of the FBI, Paul Abadi is his name, uh, tried to explain this situation, 278,000 unlawful searches or warrantless searches on American citizens. He tried to explain it to Senator Josh Hawley and accidentally walked into uh, quite the bear trap here. With respect to the compliance incidents. Compliance, you, you had characterized the unlawful querying 278,000 times of American citizens as compliance issues? We've said before, I've said that the totally unacceptable. Who's been fired for it? Individuals involved uh, are handled through the disciplinary process. Who's been fired for it? We have, there in, the, in the case of the uh, unintentional instance where something similar happened, we have fired people in the past. Wait, I, I'm sorry, what, what, what does that word salad mean? The unintentional instance where some, what, what does that mean? Who's been fired for the 278,000 times that you improperly or illegally queried the database for American citizens? When we Anybody? Fi- when we find intentional incidents. Well, you're saying that the 278,000 queries were unintentional? I believe that's correct. Wow, 278,000 times. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is, that's stunning, isn't it? Yeah, the actions were unintentionally found out. That it was, it was unintentional? Yeah. Unintentional. That you yeah. were investigating American citizens for no reason, without any sort of warrant. You were just doing it. And that's, that's what we know of that was a whoopsie. Right. Do you get whoopsies like these? In what other context would you get to ride on that kind of whoopsie go round? <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't understand this. 
Were you trying to break a record? Yeah, <laughs> right. right. I mean, well, the, the is previous, there a bonus attached to it? I don't the, know. The, the previous high score was set by J. Edgar Hoover himself. and so 370,000. <laughs> the ghost of J. Edgar Hoover is out there yeah. like George Costanza with the Frogger machine trying to cross the street, right? <laughs> trying to keep his, uh, his yeah. high score going. Yeah, J. Edgar, J. Edgar Hoover is like the Ted Williams of the <laughs> FBI. <laughs> right. I mean, that's amazing. And then, again, as Trump is talking about the deep state going after him and all of this, I mean, how can you possibly learn this information from the FBI and then turn around and say that, but they got it right with Trump? Yeah. Especially when we know the whole crossfire hurricane thing, the the Russian collusion hoax, all of that. We know for a fact that was fabricated. That was made up. That was pushed by the Hillary Clinton campaign, by the FBI's own admission. But this time, the DOJ and everybody else is getting it right with Donald Trump. Give me a break. Right. That, that's absurd. That, all right, we got a lot to get to. Uh, I do want to play uh, some of what Tucker Carlson had to say last night in his new video that he dropped on Twitter. We'll get to that. Um, also, the White House has condemned that dude who flashed his fake boobs. <laughs> At oh, the White yeah. House? I, yeah, yeah. They have said it's unacceptable and not representative yeah. of the pride yeah. movement. Well, it kind of is, anyway. read reading books to kids would have been okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Tucker Carlson, Scott, dropped another video on Twitter reacting to the Trump arrest and I think this was really interesting, and there was part of me thinking today, like I just kind of want to play the whole thing. I don't, I don't know if we can do that, but anyway, yeah. it's, it's, but we it's will. It's really be, good. It's really good. Yeah, I watched it, it too last night. It's, yeah, it's 13 minutes, uh, yeah. and if you go on Twitter, that's the only place that you'll find it in full, or that's the main place where you'll find it in full. Go ahead and give him some views on this, but I do want to play some of the clips, and these are longer clips, but I think he makes important points about this. One of them, and the central thesis. Uh, is that he says the reason the system is so hell-bent on going after him is because he's rejected the D.C. status quo. And he talks about, you know, calling out all these lawmakers on both sides of the aisle for lying about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and other things. And then also brings up the point that we have spent trillions of dollars on infrastructure in this country. Trillions. And yet we still have crumbling roads and bridges. And he said, you know, where did that money go? That's basically it. And Trump apparently is the one guy, as Tucker puts it, that is asking that question, really. Where did all the money go? It's certainly not here. Well, it's in Washington. It's in Fairfax and Loudoun counties and in leafy, perfectly manicured northwest D.C. And, of course, a huge chunk of it went to Ukraine, to Zelensky and his friends. Not because you voted for that. You didn't vote to give it to them. You never would. But because Joe Biden and his many allies, from Chuck Schumer to Mitch McConnell to Paul Ryan and every single news anchor on all of television, all of them believe that Ukraine, its borders, its future, its infrastructure are all more important than the town that you live in. They sincerely think that. And it's obvious. Everyone in power thinks that, except for Donald Trump. Whatever else you say about him, Trump is the one guy with an actual shot of becoming president who dissents from Washington's long-standing pointless war agenda. And for that, that one fact,
They are trying to take Trump out before you can vote for him. And that should upset you more than anything that's happened in American politics in your lifetime. Even if you don't plan to vote for Donald Trump, even if you would die before voting for Donald Trump, which is your right and a lot of good people feel that way, even still, the destruction of our democracy, which is the right of voters to support any candidate they want, even candidates who don't want war with Russia, the destruction of that should keep you up at night. Yes, Donald Trump is a flawed man, but his sins are minor compared to those of his persecutors. In this life, we don't get to choose our martyrs. We can only choose our principles, and America's are at stake. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's an important point to make. And again, and I, we've talked about this a lot in the Republican primary. It's, it's kind of like I think everybody's got to earn the vote. Whether it's Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, <laughs> Chris Christie, whoever, yeah. you know, you got to go out there. Well, you got to no, make your Chris case. Christie, hey. Yeah, nah. you got to make your case, and I think you got you ought to have an open mind about anybody who's running. Oh sure, but that is one of the most important points about Donald Trump is that a lot of the people that he brings in, a lot of the people that he brought in, don't actually see the world the way he sees it. He he sees the world. In a more practical and pragmatic way, Donald Trump does. I mean, what, the, the best example of this that I can think of off the top of my head is the historically black colleges and universities funding. Right? They get a certain amount of money from the federal government. And years ago, when Trump was still president, he was meeting with these guys. And uh, it was the second year in a row that they'd gone to the White House to talk to lobby for more funding. And he says, well, we're going to give you the money. Why don't we just make like a four or five year long deal so that way you don't have to keep coming back to Washington to beg and, right. and all that. Yeah. People were furious inside the Beltway at this because they loved the photo ops of being able to say, look, I'm securing funding. Whereas Donald Trump actually secured record funding for these HBCUs. And he did it in a practical way. He just said, well, there's no, we're, you know, we're going to give you the check. Why do you have to come here and kiss our butts all the time? Well, let's just get this done. And yet, you know, so many people, again, they wanted the photo op, and so they were mad at him for it. Or, at, at the very least, never gave him credit for that. Oh, no, he got no credit for that, no. <laughs> and, and so I, I think Tucker's on to something there as we move forward in, this, in, this, in these weird times in which we live where he's facing these criminal charges. But you kind of have to remember, the system does not like him whatsoever, but it does yeah. think it can beat him. I just hope they're not right. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Um, I, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I just get a kick out of this. I, I've already heard this audio, but I can't wait to play it for you again. Uh, you know, Rachel Maddow on MSNBC, they were. I thought she was gone. I, no, she's doing like a part-time thing and then coming okay. in for big breaking news stories. Ah. She's working on some podcast. I, I couldn't figure this one out either because I thought, well, they must just have the 911 on her. Right. Well, when yeah. they need her, you know, the biggest star on the network. So, right. yeah, they, yeah, they bring her in for special events. And uh, as Donald Trump, after being indicted and well, after being arraigned, I should say, and arrested in Miami, uh, flew back to Bedminster and did a speech before going in for a fundraiser. And I, I love this. Rachel Maddow <laughs> was having a meltdown about the fact that the dude was giving a speech. And they, sir, believe in truth at MSNBC, yeah, so they okay. won't air it, okay? They're not going right. to talk about it.
Heading into this, that he was planning to make these remarks. We are prepared for his pre-fundraiser remarks tonight to again be essentially a Trump campaign speech. Because of that, we do not intend to carry these remarks live. Um, as we have said before in these circumstances, there is a cost to us as a news organization to knowingly broadcast Jeez. untrue things. Okay, this lady said years ago that it was absolutely true that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to steal an election. She yes. said she oh, confirmed yeah. it. She led the charge, yes. That this was confirmed, yeah. that yes, there was a PP tape, there was all that other stuff. It's been years talking about this. Well, there's a cost to us for airing untrue things. Did she ever apologize for that? No, no, of course not. So they'll cover everything, all the hoaxes, all of the weaponization of the Department of Justice, goings and comings. and uh, But as far as the defendant actually getting a chance to speak for himself, no, that's too dangerous. We're not going to do that. Because that might actually inform the public. See, we want to craft the narrative that is one-sided that says, obviously, Trump is guilty of whatever he's accused of. That's the role of MSNBC and most of other uh, mainstream media outlets. Well, when she was accusing uh, the the unvaccinated or the cause of the pandemic and the thorough yeah. the the furthering of the danger involved with it. Yeah, she did that every night, too. Oh, yeah. And it was on her show yeah. that the CDC director, Rochelle Absolutely. Lewinsky, went out and said vaccinated people don't get sick. They don't, don't pass along sick. the virus. Right. Uh, we stand for truth. Only truth. Of course. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's the same network that also interviewed that nut job, Julie Swetnick. Remember her? Yeah. Yeah. And she accused uh, Brett Kavanaugh of running gang rape parties right. in high school. Yep. And then the claims all fell apart. They also put on, I don't know how many times, I think it's in the hundreds, Michael Avenatti, the creepy oh, yeah, porn the lawyer. Creepy porn lawyer. Yep. <laughs> but, but there's a cost to us airing untrue <laughs> True things. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I mentioned the CDC director. Uh, the CDC, of course, has been caught red-handed taking political talking points to inform COVID guidance. Uh, the best example, of course, was the director's direct communication with teachers' unions about reopening schools. They were very, very buddy-buddy. Well, the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, was asked if she ever let politics get in the way. The question came from Republican Representative Ronnie Jackson, who is also a medical doctor, uh, and he asked her point-blank about this. Did, did uh, political pressure ever impact your CDC guidance on your public statements about the COVID-19? Did you ever feel like you were making statements based on political pressure rather than the science that was available? I run a science-based agency. I'm a scientist. And the statements that I made are defended by the science. We know that's not true. <laughs> no. No, they had one set of guidance that they were going to put out. The teachers' unions came together and said, no, that's not what we talked about, Miss CDC lady. You will remember who writes your checks. And they got her to change. Yeah. So, no, it wasn't informed by science. And I just want to go back to this, because it was right after she took the role as the director of the CDC. It's like a month, within a month's time, she kept going back and forth, back and forth about whether or not we're all going to die or whether or not COVID's behind us. Whether or not kids can be in school or teachers need to be vaccinated before going back to work and all this stuff. Remember that? It's the emotional roller coaster from like a four-week span. 
that I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. The answer to that is to really close things down, to go back to where we were last spring. Schools can safely reopen, but right now I'm scared. It's possible to reopen schools safely without all of the teachers being vaccinated. Teachers should be uh, prioritized. Schools should be full-fledged, in-person. There's a lot of work that we need to do in order to get our children, our, our schools to a safer environment. We have all longed for this moment when we can get back to some sense of normalcy. <laughs> Are we back to normal or not? I, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's not the sound of somebody letting the science dictate anything. No. And I present to you as evidence the state of Florida, <laughs> which did let the science dictate things and did well, follow what real data were telling them. These people got in way over their heads mm-hmm. during the pandemic, and Rochelle Walensky always looked like she was 10 seconds away from a complete nervous breakdown. Oh, yeah. Every time she was on television, every time. Yeah. As to whether to tow the company line or tell people the truth or what to do, <laughs> and just was a mess. Yeah. You know, where you, you almost looked at her as a sympathetic figure at one point in time, like, golly. Like, she's not up for this. No, she's not. And I'm somebody needs to tell her. You yeah. Really, this has got to stop. Yeah. All right. Uh, more on that a little bit later. Uh, it's yeah. time for What's Your Story? Do this every day on the show at this time where we go around the table, bring up stories that maybe not the biggest stories of the day, but something that caught your attention. Scott, you can go ahead and start off. Well, I don't know if you saw Creepy Joe's uh, message to LGBTQ kids or not. Elon Musk did uh, in a very creepy message to the LGBTQ plus community. This was posted to the White House Twitter account uh, Monday. Biden is heard saying these are our kids. These are not somebody else's kids. They're yeah. our kids. You remember that, don't you? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. LGBTQ Americans, especially children, you are loved. You are heard. This administration has your back, Joe said. Well, Elon Musk, never missing a turn, said, no, Joe, you're the government. They're not your kids. Right. He wrote this in Biden's remarks. It's not the first time Biden has said that, but it just gets creepier and creepier all the time. And thank goodness Elon Musk has the uh, wherewithal to jump in there and say, no, Joe, you're wrong. Not your kids. Yeah, I mean, you have to do that. You have to push back against this stuff. You do. It's not, no, there is no takes a village, none of that. No, no, no. No. The federal government is not going to parent my kids right yeah. and, and elon musk said it yeah and somebody like him needed to say it and he did mm-hmm. so good on him yeah, yeah i think that's one of the reasons i mean it's that kind of rhetoric from the highest office in the land and elsewhere i think that is making the alphabet mafia uh get rejected more and more by everyday americans not out of malice towards anybody who's gay and I, I, I feel that? like a broken record because I always I I want to clarify this in case, right. you know, because I know we some. We do. We'll, we'll hear yeah. about it anyway, but yeah. Yeah. Not talking about someone who's gay and wants to live their lives, someone who's lesbian, wants to live their lives, bisexual, whatever, or even somebody who is confused about their gender and feels like dressing up as the opposite sex is the way to live a happy and productive life. We're talking about the activists who are actively going after kids. And then yeah. screeching about kids committing suicide if you don't give in to every fantasy that a confused kid might have with surgery and hormone therapy. That's what the pushback is. And, and the idea that there are laws now being created across this country 
that if you refuse to allow your child to do this, they can take your kids away from you. Yeah. Under an abuse well, umbrella of some kind. Well, and, and this is smaller potatoes for sure, but in the uh, state of Illinois, uh, J.B. Pritzker, the governor there, is enacting a law that uh, prevents people from removing objectionable material from school libraries. Oh, yeah. So if you have the, you know, whatever, uh, you know, all the titles kind of run together for me, but, you know, the illustrated book that shows the finer points of, uh, well, in one case, pooping on each other for sexual gratification. Yeah. If you object to that, well, the school doesn't have to listen to you. Again, I have a simple solution to this. I really think I do. For every one of your representatives in your state, no matter where you are, if they're talking about this kind of stuff or doing it, in the case of Illinois, if your representative supports this sort of measure, then have them set aside some time where they can go into kindergarten classes and read out loud yeah. what's in these books to these kids. Yeah. How many of them will do that? Will, will that fat governor of Illinois do it? No, he's not going to do it. <laughs> right, no. But he needs to sit there and hold the book up just as you were doing it, flip the pages, and read directly from the books that are being banned. Well, Go ahead. I'll, I'll one-up you. I mean, this could be potentially dangerous. Go to a park on the south side of Chicago and start handing out copies of pages from these books. Yeah. You'll be lucky if the cops are called, okay? Yeah. You're going to get your ass kicked. Absolutely. If you do that. Because it's, it's, it's not appropriate for kids. That's pretty obvious to anybody with two brain cells to rub But together. if this is harmless, then what's the harm of you yeah. doing it? I mean, if there's nothing here, Governor, then go right ahead. Right. As Just, a matter of fact, I encourage it. Yeah. Uh, all right, for my story today, so over the weekend, somewhat related to what you were just talking about, over the weekend during a uh, Pride event at the White House, and uh, you had a transgender activist flashing his fake boobs. And Oh, I saw that. Believe yeah. it or not, the White House actually condemned it and banned him from future White House events. And the uh, press secretary for the White House, Karine Jean-Pierre, had this to say about it. And I think this is remarkable <laughs> because it actually shows that a lot of the things that are supposedly controversial in the so-called culture war, most of us actually agree on things. Can you believe yeah. that? Wow. We've, as you mentioned, the statement uh, that we put out, you heard from us earlier today, uh, the, the behavior was simply unacceptable. Uh, we've been very clear about that. It was unfair to the hundreds of attendees who were there to celebrate their families. Uh, so, you know, we're going to continue to be clear on that. And uh, that type of behavior is, uh, as I said, unacceptable. It's not appropriate. It's disrespectful. And let's not, uh, it, it really does not reflect the event that we hosted uh, to celebrate the LGBTQ plus families. Again, hundreds of families who were here uh, to celebrate uh, their community and who are here in attendance. So um, look, individuals in the video uh, certainly will not be invited to future events. And uh, this is, has not occurred before, right? This, is not, this was not a normal thing that has happened under this administration. Uh, but we've been very clear about how, uh, how we saw this particular uh, behavior. But that's the type of behavior that this government talks about defending all the time. Right. This is what I mean by when you get through the politics of it, this is why in states like Florida, Tennessee, Texas, and elsewhere, they're wanting to say, hey, look, if there's age-inappropriate stuff at a drag show, no, you can't do that in front of kids. No, you can't have a guy in a G-string shaking his, you know, wedding tackle in front yes. of a five-year-old, okay? 
that's the stuff that people are finding objectionable. And the White House actually accidentally admitted that conservatives were right. So I see this somewhat as progress that we can all kind of agree this behavior is not appropriate in a lot of different settings. You know, if you're all adults and you want to go to a bar and get hammered and, and watch a dude in a G-string, you know, strut around while singing share songs, right. fine, that's your right to do it. You can. Stay away from the freaking kids, though. That's all we've ever said. That's, that's, <laughs> seriously, that's all we've ever said. If you're a grown person and you choose to do these things, far be it for me to step in as long as you're not hurting me or anybody else. Mm-hmm. That's it. Leave the freaking kids alone. That's all we've ever said on this, sh- on this show. Well, that, that's all that most conservatives have said. That's all most right-thinking people say. <laughs> right. Hey, wait a minute. Right. Again, you see this behavior at the White House, and you realize, yeah. oh, wait, this is fairly objectionable to most people. Yes. And so I am, I am glad they'll never admit it, but, uh, you know, the White House just said Ron DeSantis is right. Yes. That, that's pretty remarkable, whether they want you, to admit it or not. I'll bet you uh, Daddy Bearbreast had no idea this was the repercussion was going to come. <laughs> right. Exactly. Daddy Bearbreast. Daddy Bearbreast. <laughs> All right. We got got more to get to. Big news from J.D. Vance. We'll talk to it next. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Uh, Jamie Markley is out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Republican Senator J.D. Vance made a big announcement yesterday that, well, because the DOJ is relentlessly pursuing political enemies, He's going to hold up appointments to the department or do his best to to accomplish this feat. Uh, I think more Republicans ought to ought to get well, in line with yeah, this. Yes, I 100 percent agree with you on that. I applaud him for it. This is what you got to get serious with this stuff, man. Yeah. And, it, and it's not just about Donald Trump. And he explained no. this in a video that he posted online. We stop just whining about this problem and debating this problem and actually do something about it. So I've announced today that I will be holding all Department of Justice nominees that Merrick Garland will use if confirmed not to enforce the law impartially, which is his duty, but clearly to harass his political opponents. I think that we have to grind this department to a halt until Merrick Garland promises to do his job and stop going after his political opponents. Donald Trump is just one and, and and the most recent example of the fact that Merrick Garland uses his department for political purposes. We have Catholic fathers harassed for their pro-life activism. We, of course, have violent criminals walking the streets after the 2020 uh, summer of riots. And if you're letting the violent criminals go free and you're harassing Christian parents for their political activism, you're not engaged in justice, you're engaged in politics. Let's be honest about that fact and let's make this department work a little bit more slowly until Merrick Garland changes course and actually does his job the right way totally agree Uh, absolutely stop whining and do something yeah just stop whining golly yeah it it doesn't matter who it is whoever the next republican president i i is uh if we ever get to that point again Again, you know that's that's the question of course they're going to be talking about taking on the deep state they're going to be talking about uh, taking on entrenched bureaucrats within the Department of Justice who can be used by a guy like Joe Biden to go after political enemy and enemies and settle scores. Part of the way that Republicans in Congress could help right now is to make sure that they don't get to restock the pond moving forward. Right. That they don't they don't get to get these people dug in like ticks to begin with. And then when, you know, you get to a point where if there is a president who is going to go on a firing spree, 
then it's a lot easier because you don't have as much resistance. Yep. Got to start playing their game back at them. You have yep. to. That's and, it. And so, yeah, but we'll see if this if this catches on moving forward. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Thank you so much for being here. This is a, a weird time. And, you know, I've been saying it for years. What a time to be alive. And, oh, yeah. Boy, that just, <laughs> that, that, that just keeps ringing in my eardrums the longer all the craziness goes on. Well, there was nothing. That, I mean, perhaps I'm overstepping here, but there's very few things that were as bizarre has the helicopters in the air following Trump to the courthouse yesterday. Right. As if it was a police chase. Yeah. You know, I'm very reminiscent of the OJ thing. It was so bizarre. And and, and the people outside, I mean, the whole atmosphere, man, yeah. was insane. Well, and, and then you had that, and then you had all these news anchors being high and mighty saying, we oh, are not gosh. going to take Donald Trump's right. speech live. Because it's dangerous to our democracy to let the man defend himself. Gosh dang. What a bunch of pompous you-know-whats. Anyway, well, after, <laughs> we'll play the audio, oh, okay? We'll play yeah. some of what Trump had to say. Uh, after being indicted on federal charges, Donald Trump went back to Bedminster, New Jersey, for a fundraiser, and he talked about the charges against him and why this is happening uh, to him. They want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom. It's very simple. They want to silence me because I will never let them silence you. They want you silent. And I am the only one that can save this nation because you know they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. And I just happen to be standing in their way and I will never be moving. On November 5th, 2024, justice will be done. We will take back our country and we will make America great again. So that apparently is dangerous rhetoric, according to people like Jake Tapper on CNN. Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, the president of the United States just had his chief political opponent arrested. I mean that—that's what happened. I know that you'll—you'll you'll get people say, "Well, Joe Biden didn't personally arrest." Him. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he only—he only had the Justice Department, you know, uh, go after him on his behalf. Yeah, I mean the idea that somehow Joe Biden was surprised it happened right. doesn't fly. <laughs> right. I mean, come on, man. No, it makes absolutely no sense. I, I do want to get to this again, and we'll be playing some of this audio throughout the show. Uh, Tucker Carlson, a voice uh, that has been missed by many in this country uh, ever since he was fired for or fired from Fox News. We don't know why. Uh, particular, there are rumors out there. Yeah. Sources say this, that, and the other, but we don't know for sure why. And part of it, this video that he dropped on Twitter last night, I got the sense, and I don't know about you, 
I got the sense that he was talking about Trump just as much as he was talking about himself. Getting the boot from Fox News. Yeah, I could see that. The parallels were there. Basically saying, hey, you know, Trump is the guy who's going to go out and he's he's been trying to buck the system as much as possible. And the system is desperately trying to take him down. Uh, Anyway, he dropped So Tucker Carlson dropped this video on Twitter reacting to the Trump arrest and he laid out the case for why this happened. And I want to get your reaction to this, Scott. All right. What just happened was always going to happen. It's been inevitable since February 16th, 2016. That's the day Donald Trump made a blood enemy of the largest and most powerful organization in human history, which would be the federal government. Here it is. It's from the Republican candidates debate in Greenville, South Carolina. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized right. the Middle East. They lied. Okay. They said there were weapons of mass destruction. There were none. And they knew there were none. There were no weapons of mass okay. destruction. Okay. All right. We should never have been in Iraq, Trump said. We destabilized the Middle East. Now, by the time Trump said that, a lot of Republican primary voters were starting to reach the same conclusion. How could they not? But it was the next line that doomed Trump to today's arrest. They lied, he said. There were no weapons of mass destruction, and they knew there were none. Now, when he said that, a few in the crowd booed. Most just sat there in silence, stunned. Can he say that? Well, he said it anyway. And by saying that, he sealed his fate. That was the one thing you were not allowed to say, because it implicated too many people on both sides, which on this topic is really just one side. Hillary Clinton was guilty of it, but so was Paul Ryan. All of them were guilty. They all knew they all lied. And to a person, they hated Donald Trump for exposing them. You know, and he, he, he made the point, too, that, you know, whenever something in politics comes up, whether it's the culture war, social issues, whether it's uh, the debt ceiling, whatever, both parties, you know, get into their political camps and they have their political talking points that they throw out there left and right. But when it comes to foreign policy, a lot of times, everybody is pretty much in lockstep. Yeah. And, and certainly, if you look at the beginning of the, uh, the, the turn of the 21st century, you can see that. That a lot of people who now say, well, you know, it was George Bush's fault, blah, 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 that we went into Iraq. A lot of people don't want to admit that they had a hand in that as well. That they were part of that effort. And they're doing it again with Ukraine that Ukraine is the most important thing for America to be spending uh, money on, to be supporting right now, while our southern border is open, while we have all sorts of problems within our own country, we're dedicating all of this effort to defending Ukraine. And so, and if Trump is going to be the guy who pushes back against that, and I, I think that anybody who pushes back against that is going to be an enemy of whether you want to call it the deep state, the bureaucratic state, uh, just the federal government at large, whatever label you want to put on that, anybody who speaks out against the machine is going to be labeled an enemy. And some people are more vulnerable to the counterattacks than others. And certainly Trump has a checkered past, and that's why he's been vulnerable. They try to take advantage of that all the time. Um, so, I, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people say, if if they do this with Trump, they're going to do the same thing with DeSantis. And I would also say they, well, yeah, and they already are. 
Yeah, they already think are. about it. You've got the Democrat sheriff in Bayer County, Texas, who's recommending criminal charges because of that flight from uh, San Antonio to Martha's Vineyard. And apparently Gavin Newsom has met with him and talked about potential criminal charges. Democrats are normalizing, weaponizing law enforcement against political enemies. How this shakes out in a primary in the Republican side, only time will tell. I have a pretty open mind going into this whole thing. Uh, I know that there are some people who like DeSantis, only want DeSantis. Some people who love Trump only want Trump. All of that will get worked out. I think the bigger picture here, and Tucker hit on this, but the bigger picture to me is that right now the system is realizing that people are waking up to what's been happening, that other people's problems are always your problems, and they're going to spend your money to fix other people's problems in other parts of the world. And in fact, they will require you to put your life on the line to settle their own personal scores, whether that's in the Middle East, in Ukraine, wherever it is. They don't care about you. And more people are waking up to that fact. And anybody who becomes a spokesman for that awakening is going to be targeted. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you, which is what you just said. But I go back on what was said here and what Donald Trump, what, according to Tucker Carlson, this was the, uh, the inflection point mm-hmm. for Donald Trump, was 2016. I clearly remember. And, uh, you know, again, I'm I'm a conservative person, conservative guy. I vote that way. I remember clearly George Bush going in front of the TV cameras and talking about weapons of mass destruction. And we all just went, geez, Mm -hmm. that has to be stopped. You know, that has to be stopped. Nobody said, what what do you mean? What do you mean by that? What do you find out? What do you know? Yeah. I mean, how do you qualify that? What are we doing here? But we just took it at face value. Same reason. Same thing we took with the pandemic. Yep. I mean, we we just took these these people who were telling us in these positions with on face value. We didn't question it. We should have been questioning everything, I guess, in hindsight. Mm-hmm. But it, in the moment, you just have this trust that no one would lead you into that direction on purpose, right? Yeah. I, my but fa- they did it. Oh, of course they did. Yeah, I, I think and, the analogy that you've given before that I love so much is it's like you're going to a mechanic. And they're looking at your car and they're saying, yeah. well, you know, the whatever Johnson rod is out of yeah. whack and yeah. <laughs> that's going to be $1,200. You're just like, well, I don't know what a Johnson rod is, but I guess it sounds serious. I just had this conversation yesterday about mechanics, right? Yeah. So I'm saying there was uh, there was one that had $700 for the repair, one $400 for the repair. It turns out the repair was never necessary, right? <laughs> yeah. Never necessary. But again... We've moved so far away from I know a guy, shade tree uncle, whatever. You can't work on these cars now. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, the skill set is off the charts, right? Yeah. On how you got to work on them now. It's completely different than those days. So we just, we go in there. We're vulnerable when we go in there. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong with my car, man. Uh, well, yeah, I found out here that, you know, uh, you're going to need a, uh, a carburetor on the scraper there, and then before that, it's you, know, you have no idea what they're talking about, but you just go along yeah. with it. Your 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 B twelve gasket cap is <laughs> right. leaking, it's so leaking, yeah. and you go. I didn't even know I had a B twelve. Oh yeah, sure. Well, you know, uh, ever since twenty oh three, they're by our standard on every car, really. But you, you, you just don't know, right? And and this is the same thing. They sell us this crap, and Donald Trump 
in 2016, yeah. as Tucker just pointed out, called them out. Yeah. And they shook in their boots. Mm-hmm. Oh, crap. Yeah. They're just supposed to take this on face value. What's going on here? <laughs> right. Right? And I think we've had a uh, the beginning of a great awakening to this. And it's not because of Iraq. It's not because of the disaster in Afghanistan. It was because of COVID. Because... Like you said, with the beginning of COVID, everybody was like, okay, what what are we supposed to do? How dangerous is this thing? And so many people were just thinking, well, obviously the CDC is going to be upfront about this or, you know, so-and-so or Donald Trump or Anthony Fauci or anybody. They're all going to be upfront about this. I'm going to take their word for it. Yeah. And then a couple right. months down the road... I mean, for me, it was like right after the 15 days to slow the spread thing when they were saying right. we're going to extend that out another month. And I remember yeah. driving around town and going, we can't do this. this no, you is, said it. I remember you saying like, it. Yes. I, I felt sick to my stomach uh, seeing all the places boarded up and hearing about businesses that had already gone out of business because the profit margins were so narrow, like little restaurants, taco stands, things like that. Yeah. But, you know, it, it took a while for a lot of people to get on board with the idea that, hey, man, you can't always trust everybody. And, you know, I still fall for it. Oh, yeah. I know I you do still do. Jamie Absolutely. still does. A lot of yeah. people still do. You, you hear somebody saying something from a position of authority, and you've been conditioned your whole life to believe that they're going yes. to tell you the truth, yes. or at least a version of the truth. Maybe not the whole truth, but something. And every, at every turn, the most important thing you need to do is ask the question, is it true or is it not? What this person is saying. And I, I, I hope this is a good pivot point for the American population too, because yeah, I, think, too. I think COVID has really shined a light on how complacent a lot of people have been. Well, remember Trump, Trump questioned that. Yeah. He was one of the few people that said the origin was from the lab in China. Right. I mean, they went nuts when he said it. Right, and that, that was racist somehow. Because yes, it, but... Is it true? Yes, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Now we're finding out. It wasn't out hopping more. from animal to person. No. None of this garbage or, or you know, some sort of uh, military we have in Chile or something who had it in their MREs. <laughs> I, you know, I remember that nonsense. Oh, yeah, too? I remember. I yeah. mean, all this crap that was going on. Yeah. And, and again, you couldn't blame China. Don't blame China. It's not China's fault. Oh, it can't be China, no. Yeah, no. And, and he was right. Yeah. Uh, we got more to get to. Uh, the Treasury Secretary is not apparently planning for China's future financial war. We'll get to that much more. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment today. He'll be back tomorrow. Thank you so much for being here. Now, this story, it's, it's really important. Okay, I know it gets a little bit deep in the weeds, but it is really important. I promise. So for a while now, experts have been worried about something they call the nuclear option with China. And what that means is in the event of war, China would dump all of its U.S. treasuries overnight because it is the second largest non-U.S. holder of U.S. debt, meaning they'd siphon out anywhere from $800 billion to $1 trillion from the U.S., causing a global economic meltdown. Now, it would be bad for them as well, but... It's one of those financially or financial mutually assured destruction scenarios where, let's say, they invade Taiwan, uh, the world starts to fight back. They say, "Okay, well, we're dumping all the all the debt." Mm -hmm. Uh, uh Oh, now everybody's broke. That's a problem. That's a national security risk. Yeah. The Treasury Secretary, though, Janet Yellen, who (laughs) really needs to diversify her portfolio from (laughs) Werther's Originals. 
was asked if she is actively preparing for this potential catastrophe. And, and again, this would be an absolute catastrophe. It's one of the reasons why the national debt is so important to get under control right now. Anyway, here is the Treasury Secretary. So the, we are not engaging in specific um, exercises to address, address such a risk, um, but the United, the United States, the National Security Council, is certainly concerned on an ongoing basis. Well, Madam Secretary, I would encourage Treasury to, to uh, make preparations. Yeah, get, get on that, please. But this is the same lady who said, I didn't understand that um, inflation was going to, to, to be such a persistent issue in the United States. None of these people know what they're doing. And I, <laughs> it's like I, I have daydreams now about Janet Yellen uh, giving an address that I'm picking up on a shortwave radio over a can <laughs> of cold beans that I scavenged going, I didn't understand that China had that kind of leverage against the United States of America. Mm, I understand that now. <laughs> Remember a little tune called, We Don't Know, We Don't Know, We Don't Know What We're Doing. <laughs> That's basically it. And I'm reminded of that every time I hear yelling. <laughs> like, due to economic and, and uh, wartime catastrophe, L.A. has descended into cannibalistic tribal <laughs> situations now. And, and Janet Yellen's going to be there in D.C. going, I didn't understand the problem here. We're Better doomed, hire. man. Yeah. We need Snake Spills Pilskin to go into L.A. and clean it up. Yeah, This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. Of course, biggest story of the day yeah. probably is the uh, fallout from Trump being arrested again by, well, the current president, who is also... You know, they're rivals right now running for president, running for the mm -hmm. same position uh, in just over a year and a half or just about a year and a half. Um, so that is, of course, a big development in our nation's history. We've got a lot of takes going out there. I also want to get to something really quick about one thing I think is I'll just put it this way. What you're about to hear in just a few minutes is exactly why so many people flocked to Donald Trump in the Republican Party. Well, no. We'll get to that next. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is out today. Thank you so much for being here. I mentioned this story just a few minutes ago, and the piece of audio that you're about to hear is exactly why so many people open-armed welcomed Donald Trump into the Republican Party and why they decided to kick out the old guard, you know, the people with the, you know, proven conservative record and blah, 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 all this stuff. And it's an audio clip of Paul Ryan, you know, failed vice presidential candidate, longtime member of the House of Representatives, Paul Ryan. Huge disappointment, Paul Ryan. And it's him talking about the so-called culture war issues. He was on CBS and he was asked about the effort to remove pornographic materials from school banning sex change operations for children, similar efforts, protecting women's sports, that kind of stuff. Of course, the CBS News anchor framed it as book banning and an assault on LGBTQ rights, blah, 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 all that stuff. Here's what Paul Ryan had to say about that. He accepts the premise that this is somehow toxic and terrible for the country. This is so disappointing. 
I'm not a culture war guy. Uh, I think it's really polarizing. Look, I, I, on some of these issues, I'll side, uh, you know, with the anti-woke crowd. But to me, I'm worried about a debt crisis. I'm worried about, you know, the future of our country and, and China. There are big policy problems that we need to tackle if we want to have a great 21st century for this country. Um, my work at AEI Notre Dame and my Poverty Foundation is all about poverty and upward mobility. You know, what I worry about are the big policy challenges that are going unresolved or made worse by Joe Biden. So that's why I want to win this election so we can actually fix these big policy problems. Yeah. Cultural war politics is good primary election politics. It's very divisive, but it's very effective divisive. politics. It's effective politics. I'll grant you that. But for me, I'm an old Jack Kemp guy. I believe in inclusive, aspirational politics, solve problems. We got we got huge problems. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we got a debt saying, crisis coming. We got to get on top of it. No, neither Biden or Trump are good on this issue. Okay. Well, first and foremost, I mean, the guy who was supposed to be the legislative wunderkind had an yeah. opportunity to replace Obamacare and failed miserably. Oh, failed. Yeah. Utterly failed at that job, something he'd been campaigning on for years. The other thing is the culture war issues matter a lot. And I don't like even calling it culture war. I know that's, that's a term that is readily accepted, so I'll use it. I prefer just fighting for common sense and decency. And if you want to talk about protecting women's sports, that's not just a culture war issue. That's a very real thing for a lot of young girls. It's a very real issue for families. Uh, you cannot address what he calls pure policy, fiscal policy issues. If you have a population that is not only, I mean, forget about the alphabet mafia stuff, is actively being taught in school that America is the great evil in the world. It's a terrible place. It's racist. It's homophobic. It's evil. Oh, they never really repented for slavery and all this stuff. The woke ideology is not just a difference in political opinion. It is an active effort to get young people to believe, and it's been successful, unfortunately, for years, to get, to get a, an entire segment of the population convinced that the way America works, the fundamental bedrock principles of a constitutional republic in which we live are flawed, are racist, and are evil, and should be overthrown. So if you have an entire population that is brainwashed to believe something like that, you're never going to talk about tax reform. You're never going to get to that point. Because the left is busy overthrowing our system of governance. That's what they're doing. So yeah, it does matter, Paul. It absolutely matters. It's not just people screaming about uh, men dressing up in dresses or whatever. That, it, it's not just that. It's not bigotry. It's not anything. It's, it is taking a look at what the left is trying to do, which is to fundamentally overthrow this country. So, yes, it's important. And I, I mean, the guy talks about this as if it's polarizing or somehow less polarizing than privatizing Social Security. Come on. Like, <laughs> I mean, that, okay. it's like fiscal policy can be very polarizing as well. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, it just it, go away, man. That stuff drives me nuts. It, we got a country to save, and guys like him are not going to get us. No, there. no, he's not leading the weight on anything. No. No, no. And, and, and the thing, you're right, though. I mean, culture always is going to intersect in all this. So. Mm -hmm. Has to. Yeah. Well, an, an example of this, I don't know if you've seen this, an elementary school in Charlottesville, Virginia, 
had fourth graders leading a pride celebration at a school assembly. Yeah. Yeah, Rob Schilling, a radio host in the area, got the video taken at Johnson Elementary School, and it is creepy. You got fourth graders talking to other fourth graders, other elementary school kids about all of these things. Uh, well, it stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer. Cool. Now, let's have a book about Pride Month. Yeah, then they open up a book about Pride Month and they read about this. This is uh, the, the term that has been used for this and other Marxist-based ideology is secular religion, because that's, that's what it is. This is basically a prayer call to the new state religion. God, where am I? And again, <laughs> I hate doing this every time. Not going after anybody who's gay. Not going after anybody who is confused about their gender ideology. Going after the monsters who feel like this is okay to be brainwashing kids in this way. To force children to take part in what guys like Paul Ryan write off as some meaningless culture war. See, that's you're right. No, I agree. I mean, I 100% agree with you. This is basically just woke child soldiers. This is what they're doing. And... No, we got to put a stop to this. This matters. This matters a lot. The parents, in this case, were not made aware that their kids were participating in this. Mm-hmm. The parents get no rights. And this is in Virginia. This is where you got uh, Glenn Youngkin, who literally ran on the premise of getting this kind of stuff out of schools and getting public education back on track to teaching kids how to read and write and do arithmetic. And yet they can't help themselves but continue to do this kind of indoctrination of small children. It's disgusting. And it's even more disgusting. I understand why the left wants to do it. I get it. I, I understand. They're involved in a battle here. They, mm-hmm. they want to push it. What I'll never understand is how former leaders of the Republican Party, of the conservative uh, organization in this country, can sit back and say this is meaningless. It, it's not meaningless. It matters a whole lot. Well, and to... <laughs> And to hold up Jack Kemp as some sort of shining example. <laughs> I mean, the party of Jack Kemp. Jack Kemp, 90% of the country has no idea who the guy even is. Whatever, whatever he stood for in your brain that's going to connect with people. I don't know. I honestly don't know what it is. Yeah, that's him trying to be part the of the party cool of kids Jack club. Kemp. Yeah. Jack Kemp. Mm-hmm. If you want to say Ronald Reagan, okay. But <laughs> I want to be it's the party so of Grover Cleveland. Yeah, right. Anyways. Exactly. Uh, also, uh, in the news today, the White House is celebrating new inflation data, even though we're still in historically high Dude, territory. Is this not the dumbest thing you've ever seen? Yeah. Did you see the tweet that they put out? <laughs> yes. It was a chart that talked about inflation coming down month to month. Yeah. Except it also shows exactly when inflation started getting out of control, <laughs> right? which was a couple months after Joe Biden took office when they passed the American Rescue Plan. Inflation still exists. It's just less than it was. Well, and again, when you're looking at it like year to year kind of stuff, when you have 40 year highs last year right, exactly. and it only increases 4% Percent. this year, it's you're still... Victory. Yay! Yay! <laughs> you're still Look at us. Way 
out of whack here. I, I saw that yesterday. I'm like, are you kidding me yeah. right now? <clears throat> so the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, was asked about this. Um, and again, puts out this lie that, well, that we're helping the average American person. 4% inflation uh, on CPI inflation overall. Uh, that's on top of the other inflation increases that we've seen for the past 26 months or so. There's been no overall price reductions. What's the president's plan to reduce prices for all Americans, not just a certain category of people that fit certain criteria? I think everything that the president has done, all of his economic policies, and you think about these historic legislation, that's for all Americans. That's to make sure that uh, we uh, we continue to lower costs, whether it's health care, whether it's energy, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, not just that, but also creating good-paying jobs. That's to make sure that we build an economy that doesn't leave anybody behind. Who, whose energy prices have gone down? <laughs> no, no one's. <laughs> no one's. I mean, maybe you got a little bit of a break because of springtime temperatures, more mild temperatures, but I... I Summer is is here. Um, I'm not really sure whose energy is going down, whose costs for energy are really going down. No one's. <laughs> I mean, do you ever go to the grocery store ever? Right. Ever. I mean, it it's crazy. It was only up four percent. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's it. But Whatever. it was up like you know a gazillion percent. You know, eight months ago. So what are we doing? <laughs> I, it, it's. It's so misleading and so jivey. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I use the, uh, the analogy all the time. Let's say, like, you know, two years ago I sold you an apple for a dollar. Then last year I sold you an apple for $8. Now this year I'm selling you the same apple for $10. $10. I, see, prices only went up $2. That's okay? all. So that's a huge reduction in the cost of apples that I'm selling <laughs> Scott Robbins. And for some reason he's willing to pay $10 for an apple. Really? Okay. <laughs> wow, that's only two dollars. I'm more saving than money. Here. Look at that. Oh, oh well, that apple, that hey, you don't taste better. Yeah. You don't get to do a victory no, lap over that. No, no, There's no spiking the football there. You dope. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, on a lighter note, uh, reporters in New Orleans were at a family home uh, earlier this week reporting on the death of a popular local uh, chef named uh, Demetrius Scott. He'd been missing for about two weeks. He hadn't responded to any attempts to reach him or shown up at work. He'd just vanished. So his family reported him missing. Then they were notified by the coroner's office that a dead body was found dumped in the Ninth Ward, and it was believed to be him. No tests had been done, and the family apparently hadn't viewed the body yet, but reporters were already sent to the family home to do, like, the eulogy and, and try to get reaction to this. But while the reporters were on the scene... This dude suddenly walks up, very much alive, seemingly well. One person said, hey, where you been, dude? He goes, I've been around. <laughs> he added, I just oh, needed to take my. some time for myself. Life caves in on you sometimes, and that's actually what happened. I needed to get away. Oh, my gosh. You can't send a text message, bro? <laughs> no. Just saying, hey, by the way, I need to clear my head for a few days. So how many days was he missing again? Uh, let's see. It, did you say a couple of that? weeks? I couldn't. I, yeah, it was like a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks? Gone. Yeah. Yeah. I've, been, I've wanted to disappear myself a few times for a couple of weeks. Yeah. I wouldn't. I haven't done it. Mm. I'd let you know, David. Oh, thank you, Scott. But I'd swear you to secrecy. You can't tell anybody. <laughs> I know. Just leave a note. I mean, you know, don't, don't let your family <laughs> right. and your friends think that you're dead for crying Right. God. So... Everybody uh, rushing to cash in on that life insurance policy. No yeah. kidding. Yeah, somebody's like, I was about to have my car paid off. Damn. Dang it. Damn you for coming back. <laughs> this is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins.
I don't know if you saw this update. Hey, remember when Alec Baldwin shot and killed a woman? Yeah, I, do. I remember clearly. Uh, on yes. the, the set of the yeah. movie Rust? Yes. So we got an update from people involved in the investigation, because, of course, very famously now, authorities in New Mexico have dropped charges against Alec Baldwin. But they are still going after the armorer, a woman named Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, young woman who was supposed to be uh, keeping track of the firearms and apparently was the one who loaded the firearm that Alec Baldwin used to kill someone. And uh, the update is that apparently she was hung over the day that she was on the set and gave that gun to Alec Baldwin, which then, of course, he used to kill a woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, that, that's that reeks of unprofessionalism, doesn't it? Yes, she's going to jail, man. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not against that at all. I think someone, I think Alec Baldwin should be going to jail too. But you know, they don't ask me for my opinion uh, in the court system in New Mexico. You know, again, again, I go back to this all the time. There are certain jobs. If you show up hungover, you can get, you can go through the motions and get it done. Yeah. An armor is not one of them. You got it's pretty. You know, you've got a pretty specific gig here, yeah. And you can't get anybody killed. That's job number one. Yeah. The other thing that I, I wonder though, because uh, the reporting was at least at the time that they went out shooting, like everyone, yes. all the all the main principals on the set went out shooting the day before, the afternoon, evening before. Right. And I'm wondering, were they kicking back cold ones while See, shooting that I, gun? I thought the exact same thing, particularly when they said she was hung over. Yeah. Because they were plinking or planking or what's that called? Yeah. Plinking, yeah. Okay. And shooting cans out in the cans, desert. Cans, uh, yeah, with and, their guns. Yeah. yeah, and so, I I don't know, maybe they were. Uh, we'll see what comes out of that. But, man, that's, that, yeah, that's one of those things you cannot be. Uh, no, you can't. You can't. You got to no. be in your right mind. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there there are jobs, you flying an airplane. Yeah. Conducting surgery. Oh, yeah. We got to, you know, I mean, the list is fairly long right. on things you can't do. <laughs> If you're going to booze hound, make sure you get a couple of days off. Look, yeah. <laughs> lucky for you, back in your drinking days, a radio oh, yeah. host is not one of those jobs. Well, though. no, it was a lot of ten hits in a row mornings. <laughs> Scott, you straight off the log. I'm sorry, I had a. Uh, yeah, he's got, I, a, I got, got an axe going through his head right now. Sorry, yeah. I've got a case of the still drunks right now. Yeah, oh, and, buddy. Uh, yeah, I got. I got to lay down. Hold on a second. Yeah. You played the same Madonna record six times in a row. More music in the morning. <laughs> Golly. Did you also see this story? I feel like this comes up every couple years or maybe every year. uh, But as more people are getting on airplanes, flying around for summer travel, there is a a fats rights activist and social media influencer. This lady's morbidly obese, and she is complaining because uh, airlines are making her buy two seats in order to get on the plane because she doesn't fit in one and she's making the claim i have the exact same experience as everybody else uh why do i have to pay twice as much and i'm like sorry and i say this as a moved american okay not morbidly obese but certainly heavier than is healthy you're not um i will say it's not the same experience if you're not fitting in one seat i'm sorry that sucks but you're there's only a certain amount of square footage on an airplane. Well, yeah, it takes two seats to hold you. Yeah, so, yeah, you should pay for that seat. you got to pay for that seat. Nobody yeah. nobody else should be, uh, you know, subsidizing your lack of self-control, okay? Yeah. That's, anyway, this is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? 
Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jimmy Markley's on special assignment. We'll get to, uh, of course, the Trump indictment news and an update on the bri- Biden bribery allegations in a moment. But I just saw this. Oh, here we go. Uh, Portland this. School District considers bringing back cops at a distance. You know, you want to get rid of the cops because we've got to defund the police. We don't want police, our, our schools to be militarized zones, all this left-wing nonsense that's gone on all over the country uh, very few places better represented than Portland uh, for this kind of lunacy. So they've got a pilot program that they're they're rolling out. They want to uh, restore Portland Public Schools' relationship with police after shootings near campuses earlier this year. The cops won't be in the schools, Scott. They'll be, they'll be near the schools. What does that mean? When you said that from a distance, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw on this. the horizon? Yeah. I saw this in the Portland Mercury. In the summer of 2020, in the midst of a global protest movement against police violence, okay, uh. Portland Public School Superintendent announced that he was effectively discontinuing the presence of Portland police officers in district schools. We need to reexamine our relationship with the Portland Police Bureau, he wrote at the time. Mayor Ted Wheeler, a.k.a. Todd Whalen, on this show. Yeah. He strongly supported the superintendent's move. Leaders must listen and respond to the community. We must disrupt patterns of racism and injustice. I am pulling the police officers from schools. Just three years later, later now, in the aftermath of a series of shootings near Portland Public School campuses, a PPS safety and security task force that was formed by the superintendent to review the district safety measures has recommended reestablishing the partnership with the Portland Police Bureau. Uh, This is one of just 13 uh, recommendations the task force made to enhance safety in the district. Other measures include requiring all middle and high school students to display their ID badges while on campus, uh, piloting a roving weapons detection system at major high school events, and growing the PPS Youth Violence Prevention Team. But this is still about reimagining the Bureau's Youth Services Division that has generated the most controversy among students and staff and observers. The particulars of the partnership, the Portland Mercury reports, are yet to be determined, but Andrew Scott, the PPS board chair, was quick to point out in an interview with the Mercury that the district is not planning on returning to pre-2020 school resource office models. Personally, I don't want to see police officers involved in student discipline, said Scott. I don't want to see them back in our schools as a routine manner. I do want to see a stronger partnership with the Bureau. Okay. Why can't they just admit we screwed up? They can't. Okay. Exactly. So you start this these half-assed measures, right? Yeah. Well, they really won't be here, but they'll be close and, you know. Dude, I mean, you got a situation now. You were wrong. Yeah. Where elementary school enrollment has declined by more than 17% since 2018-2019. And a lot of that is partially because of declining birth rates, but also because a lot of people have been moving out of the district because, well, they're afraid that these left-wing lunatics are going to get their kid killed. 
And so they or they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with no. the, the the crime. They don't want to you know they don't want to worry about this stuff. So they move to a different school district. And now you're right. I don't know why they can't just admit, hey, yeah, yeah we screwed I, up. We're bringing the the police officers police back, back into the schools because we need this for safety yeah. reasons. And that's okay. We'll forget it. Okay, done. <clears throat> I love this quote. Ilana J. Wilson, executive director of the progressive organization Next Up. The decision to respond to societal violence with police represents a failure of imagination. God. The, default, the default for adults and specifically for board members and probably for parents, too, is police. That is the default for public safety, rather than these other very, very impactful investments in counselors, social services, etc. Stop. Stop. I don't even yeah. want to finish the quote. I don't either. Well, for the sake, somebody may be curious. Okay, okay. Uh, that uh, Social services, counselors, yada, 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 that we know do work. When folks are in fear mode, they revert back to their default. They haven't worked, you moron. They haven't been successful. Oh, boy. Who's sending out the sweater-vested Dr. Phil's to stop gang violence right now? Nobody. And you're under the, under the assumption that that's all you have to do. And, it, <laughs> and the violence will go away. Just talk... Just sit down and have a conversation. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, I, I, it's like you got two junkies arguing with a drug dealer. Guns come out. Hold on a second. Right. Let's talk let's about. Talk, let, yeah, hang on. Let's talk about your past trauma. No, Tell man. Tell me about your dad. Tell me about your dad. Yeah. God, I mean, it's so. You deal with all that when you're locked up. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the thing. The two things can work, but they have to work in tandem because I, they and, absolutely have to, uh, you know, spending years as a reporter uh, covering crime, covering the courts and all that. Uh, nobody in law enforcement is sitting here saying that a cop is the way to solve all of society's problems. No, no, no. Police officers on the street as an agent of triage, as an agent of saying, here's a bad situation that needs to needs to be stopped. And that's it. By the time somebody is doing something that requires police intervention, it's too late for the counselor. It's too late for the, the warm fuzzies. You can talk about youth programs. You can do all of that stuff. That's fine. Yeah. But right now, when you've got several years now of unchecked violence in the city of Portland and many other progressive cities throughout the country, uh, it's time to bring the guys with batons and guns back into the equation. And if that hurts your feelings, I'm sorry, but public safety matters more than your progressive wish listing. Okay, mm-hmm. sorry. It, it it just it is so enraging to me it to is. hear these people saying, "Well, it's just a lack of imagination." No, man, <laughs> dude, these kids what? deserve to go to school, not stepping over homeless dudes shooting up heroin and people doing drug deals around them, and yeah. much less gangs shooting at each other. And yeah, if you got to bring in uh, metal detectors in the school, certainly like where I grew up, the the first school system that I was in 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 Houston, we had metal detectors, and it sucks. And you can say, you know, oh, this isn't how it should be, and I agree with you. It's not how it should be, but it's a response to a need, unfortunately. Uh, My my middle school, you weren't allowed to have a backpack that wasn't mesh or plastic, like Mm see-through. So you always, you know, you had to because people were bringing knives and guns into school because there was gun violence, there was gang violence. I mean, this is something that, unfortunately, a lot of kids in this country have been dealing with for years and years and years. You know, we, whenever there's a a horrible tragedy 
mass shooting at a school and it, get, it gets a lot of eyeballs and all that stuff. Nobody, and yes, it should. I'm not saying that's not newsworthy and it's tragic, but it's a completely different situation than the violence that school children face on a daily basis in this yeah. country. And so it's just, I, these people need to be taken out of the conversation. I, I just city leaders need to stop listening to them because they're only getting more people hurt. They're crazy. They're lunatics. Kick them out of the club. I suggest retired dads and grandpas <laughs> walking up down the hallways. You know, they're they're with they're, like sorority pad or fraternity paddles. <laughs> there yeah. was actually now, dang it, I can't I can't remember where it was, but there was a uh, story that we covered a couple of years ago, um, where dads did that. Dads dads actually were sort of hall monitors at school. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not armed with anything. They're not. No, of course but, not. You know, if you want to talk about, again, the, the broader picture of violence prevention, then that's fine. But nobody's calling on those dads to stop a drug deal gone wrong. No. Right. At a certain point, you no, need I... a guy with a badge and a gun to handle a bad situation. And if that hurts your feelings, I'm sorry, but this is the real world and you got to deal with it. Anyway. Well, you also have to look at declining enrollment. I mean, yeah, and declining tax basis for some of these schools. I mean, there's a reason this is happening, and a lot of it has to do with violence in schools, mm-hmm. getting to school, coming home from school. Yeah, and parents with, with the wherewithal to do so will leave, leaving, of course, the ones who don't have the wherewithal to do so, and making it even worse. Yeah. This I, is a problem you need to discuss, not with Doctor Phil in a sweater. No, I think anyone yeah. who has a conscience left in any of these progressive cities, needs to get down on their knees and beg police officers to come to their town. Yes. They've got to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, too many people are getting hurt as a result of these left-wing lunatics. I All right. Uh, sorry, we got, we got other stuff that we got to get to, of course. Uh, we got the, uh, the, the, the Trump indictment, the fallout from that. Um, also... Uh, apparently releasing the Biden bribery document will put lives at risk, says the FBI deputy director. We'll get to that much more. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we really appreciate it. Uh, so Joe Biden stands, uh, stands accused of taking a $5 million bribe from a Ukrainian gas company official. And according to an FBI document, the person who bribed him has tapes of them setting up the arrangement. 17 in yeah. total, 15 with Hunter and uh, two more with Joe Biden himself. That's what's alleged. Now, the FBI won't publish publicly the document in question. And the deputy director of the FBI, he's a guy named Paul Abadi, says it's because someone could die if they published it. I don't know. Does it involve Hillary Clinton? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> could have an un- unfortunate accident yeah, with a bed sheet. Oops. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> so Senator Josh Hawley asked him to explain that uh, during testimony on Capitol Hill. And th- this is pretty remarkable here. It is potentially a question of life and death for whom? with regard to the source of the information. So, okay, so now we've confirmed that the document exists. That's progress. Why do you just release it? Is it classified? The document is not classified. Okay. Will you commit to releasing it? Senator, we'll take that back, and we will work with you and this committee uh, 
How about just a yes or no? Will you commit to releasing this unclassified document that alleges that the president of the United States, the president of the United States, has taken $5 million or more in bribes from a foreign nation? The document has already been released pursuant to a subpoena to the House Oversight Committee. Has it been released to this committee? We will work with this committee within the parameters that are established Will you release the document to the public? It's unclassified. Don't you think the American people have a right to see it? Uh, Senator, the document, as you know, contains sensitive information that has bearing on the life of the source of the information, potentially. You can redact the source's name. We do this all the time. In some instances, Senator, and I know you know this, that is not sufficient to protect people. And that's what we strive and work to do each and every day. And I hope you would take that seriously, too. So so the FBI will spend untold amounts of resources going after a president, Donald Trump, for a made-up Russian collusion conspiracy theory. But, yeah, we're not really going to worry about this this document. We're not certainly not going to tell the American people about it because, well, I mean, this corrupt head of a Ukrainian gas company might get killed. Well, the guy's name is out there. If that's the source that they're if that, talking about. If that about. is the source, yes. But, I, I, again, I don't know. Maybe it is somebody else. I, I don't know. But um, surely you could protect that person. Isn't that supposed to be your job? I would think. I mean, with Look, all man. of this. <laughs> with the, they with don't, the, want, they oh, don't want this out there. They don't want it out there. At least not yet. they got to protect their guy, man. Yeah. I you, again, I, I get the feeling that uh, this is sort of that drip, drip, drip of information that media is going to maybe occasionally run a story on, so that then they can go back and say, "See, we we held him accountable." Blah blah blah, uh, <laughs> all of that. But I, I just get the feeling that there is something big that may come. I'm trying to break out of my my cynicism, where every time we talk about Biden corruption, you know, my my default position is, "Well, nothing's going to happen. He's protected." But I don't know. Uh, maybe something will happen. Uh, and, and you know, we get closer to, let's say, I don't know, the beginning of next year. The presidential race is taking shape. You see what the Republican primary looks like. Is it going to be Trump? Is it going to be DeSantis? Is it going to be anybody else? And maybe just maybe they don't have the confidence to run the old man out there again. So then they drop the hammer. Right. See, I, I think that, too. I do. I think that, too. Yeah. When they start to look at internal polling, they start to feel like we can't win with this guy. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, we know they're protected, though. We talked about this yesterday. There's that woman in Virginia whose six-year-old got a hold of her gun and then shot his yeah. teacher. Yeah. And she is uh, facing up to two years in prison now after pleading out, pleading guilty to charges that she lied about marijuana use on her background check uh, paperwork in obtaining that firearm. The president's crackhead son admittedly lied on a background check the same line. Like you have to do this questionnaire when you're buying a gun from a from a FFL, you have to, you know, fill out this questionnaire, are you a current drug user, are you in rehab, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he he lied about it. He said no. So this woman's going to be going to prison for potentially 2 years now and the screw-up son of the president of the United States, they can't bring a case against him? Really? And Trump is facing federal charges <laughs> in Florida? Yeah. And facing state charges in New York and potentially going to be under felony indictment again 
out of Georgia. Really? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I I know. So, but there's all this chessboard, right? You don't know yeah. why this is happening and what the long term is, and yeah. none of it. And I, I, I'm still at the same spot where I think the system believes that it can ultimately take Donald Trump down. Um, and, and they so may be right; it might. They want. They might. But they also believe that he's vulnerable enough that if they do these types of or take these types of actions, they'll promote him, pump him up in the in the GOP primary. He wins the nomination. And then when it's too late to put another name on the ballot, they drop the hammer and yeah. get rid of him. I think so. there's, if there is an argument to be made, one of the arguments is if you vote for Joe again, you're voting for Kamala. Because oh. there's no way this guy goes four years. Oh, I second. think that's absolutely there's true. There's no yeah. way. Yeah. So, you know, when again, with given that option, mm-hmm. if you can drive that point home and say, hey, you know, vote for who you want, but you're voting for her. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Well, the the scary thing things, is, you know, a lot of people will really like it. That's why I never let anybody give me crap for saying you would vote for Trump again after everything else. Yeah, I would. Yeah, so would I. You'd thought. you'd vote for a senile old man who can't remember where he is, and then Kamala Harris is a joke of a human being. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Get off of Moral Mountain, why don't you? <laughs> this is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. <clears throat> Biggest story of the day, of course, the uh, unfolding. Uh, fallout from Trump being arrested by Joe Biden and uh, what the takes are. They're flying all over the place. Um, of course, I, I, I want to go back to something. Actually, it's a different clip, but it involves the same guy, Jake Tapper. Yeah. Uh, who was beside himself that Donald Trump dared meet with fans at a Cuban restaurant in uh, Little Havana in Miami. I thought this was really funny. Also, it's dangerous to say that boys shouldn't be competing in girls' sports, says the White House. I'm glad you're bringing this. Holy smokes, man. We'll get to that. And the big trifecta, top three stories of the day with Scott Robbins. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. He'll be back tomorrow. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, So I I just want to play this for you. Uh, After being arrested on federal charges, Donald Trump stopped off at a Cuban cafe. People there loved him. People there started singing happy birthday to him. He's cutting it up. You know, he's taking selfies with people. It looks like doesn't have a care in the world, even though he's under federal indictment. I mean, right. but that's Trump, man. That's what he's very good at that. uh, Dude can compartmentalize anything, though. Huh? He can compartmentalize anything. Right. He just, I mean... He can he can go from one part of his brain to the next. It just yeah. it just like that. You're right. You normally more most people would be like a little dog-eared anyway, right? Right. At least like I just yeah. want to go home. Yeah, yeah. I just want to God. curl up in a ball somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> go on. Hey, how you doing? Meanwhile, CNN, uh, Jake Tapper was very upset that producers in the control room were airing footage of it. Even just the image of Donald Trump not looking. Like he's been through the ringer (laughs) was enough to set Jake Tapper off. This is the folks in the control room. I don't need to see any more of that. He's trying to turn this and he's trying to turn it into a spectacle, into a campaign ad. That's enough of that. We've seen it already. Uh, Let's go over again the 37 charges that Donald Trump is facing. Yeah. From the same network that had helicopters in the air (laughs) and a guy on the ground giving a play by play of an SUV driving past him. Exactly. Yeah. Doesn't want to make it a spectacle. How dare Donald Trump look happy? 
How dare we show people giving Donald Trump support? This is CNN. Oh, this is news. Oh, he should be quivering in fear. And it was the original haircut that did it. (laughs) The first guy. Holy man, again. I'll just hand out this free advice. Take a Midol in a bubble bath, dude. Just relax, man. What is wrong with you? (laughs) I mean, we don't need to see any more of that. No. Okay. Donald Trump smiling and meeting with people who genuinely seem to like him? Oh, we can't have that. Everybody hates him. God. The voices in my head tell me so. Oh, man. Just really sick people. Speaking of sick people, man, the Biden administration is proposing a rule change to Title IX, which would make it easier for boys to compete in girls' sports. Insanity. In the name of this gender ideology nonsense. Uh, And I'm glad to see several female athletes have now come out and signed on to this group letter saying, hey, this is wrong. This is gutting girls sports. And in some sports, it's putting girls at a risk of injury. Yep. And the White House doesn't care. I mean, injuries can happen with any sport, you know, if you are competing, whether you're a boy competing against other boys or a girl competing against other girls. Everyone knows there's a risk that something could happen. But. When you see the videos of like the the trans rugby player, this big beefy dude who's just trucking yeah, over women, exactly, yeah. Or the the NHL actually did a, a, a or sponsored a trans uh, hockey game where one of the one of the women involved, who was actually a woman, I guess, identifies as a man or whatever, got laid out by a dude who thinks he's a woman, winds up getting sent to the hospital. It's like an amateur yeah. game. Has a severe concussion. Yeah, there's a there's an injury risk. That's just a fact, but apparently facts are hateful. Uh, so uh, here's the question and answer uh, from spokeswoman Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday as they were talking about these proposed changes to Title IX. What would the president say to parents out there who have daughters, uh, let's say in high school, for example, who are worried that their daughter may have to compete against a male, a player, a person born male, and, they, and there could be directly in physical athletic competition and worry about their daughter's safety. So look, uh, I, what you're alluding to is basically saying that transgender kids are dangerous. It's not- no, it's not. Uh, that's not what he said. That's not what anybody alluded to. No, nobody alluded to that. No, no you Stop alluded- the spinning. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a guy. Who it's is obnoxious for you to say that, though. Right. Sounds like that's what you're saying. Well, you're saying you're you're saying that their safety is at is in, is is at risk. Yeah, but you're 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 laying out a broad kind of broad example or explanation of what could potentially happen. A broad a broad example explain that is dangerous. That is a dangerous thing to say. That essentially transgender kids we're talking about are dangerous, and so that's something that I have to call out. And that is that is that is that is irresponsible. I no, just not. laid out how complicated this issue is. It's not complicated at all. Not at all. Actually, no. I mean, that's the thing is. But this is what the left always does. They take something obvious and they try to overcomplicate it to where to lift a phrase of yours, Scott. It's a bunch of McGurkin to where your average Joe is going to sit there and think, well, geez, I get they they just threw a lot of words at me. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe it is more complex than I thought. And then it's like, no, it's a. No, there's a reason why we have gender-specific sports. Well, yeah, and they get you spinning like a lathe because they can. Yeah. They can say things like dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous. Irresponsible. 
Shut up. Saying that trans people are dangerous. These are the same people who said it was inappropriate or, or too risky to not put a face mask on a toddler are yeah. now saying no big deal to have dudes competing against girls in a potentially physical sport. Okay. Be careful around your pets because they can catch COVID too. Right. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Paul yeah. Ronavirus. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. There it's, you go. It's that time. Are you ready for yeah. your big trifecta, Scott? Sure. All right. Here we go. Are you ready? One, two, three. It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. All right, it's the trifecta. Top three stories of the day, according to Scott Robbins. Usually mm-hmm. Casey Kasem is along yeah. for the ride, but he vacations with Markley. Golfing with Markley yeah, today. That's, that's what they're doing, yep. yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, so number three, we count them down three to one. Uh, Amazon, you're telling me, locked a guy out of his house? <sighs> this is weird. Brandon Jackson is the guy's name, found himself in the midst of a little problem. May 25th, he discovered that his smart home, which is tied to Amazon, was no longer doing that which he was paying for it to do. Jackson noted that his primary way of interfacing with all of the technology is through his Amazon Echo via Alexa. And lo and behold, something suddenly would not respond to his request. He couldn't get in his house. He's locked out. At first, he thought, well, is it possible I got hacked? But he said, I go to such great lengths to keep my password secure. So he took the security issue off the table. So what's going on here? The answer is stranger than you might think. Or maybe it's part and parcel of what we're dealing with today. On May 24th, a package was delivered to his home. His doorbell camera was programmed to say, excuse me, can I help you? For one reason or another, the driver who was walking away from the door and wearing headphones decided the doorbell camera had somehow uttered a racial slur. The driver files a complaint. Lights in his house go out. What? Yes. So he can't get in his house. Nothing works. Oh, my gosh. Said, I'm sharing my experience. I hope to encourage uh, Amazon to reform and rethink their approach to handling such things in the future. It's essential for customers to feel confident. I yeah. don't feel confident. Oh well, I, I mean that's that uh, that's on you, dude. You should have never given the keys over to a centralized uh, tech company that can do that. That's one of the reasons I don't want any. Uh, smart locks. I don't like uh, any of the smart technology, the Internet of Things in my home because I really don't want one. I'll, I'll just be honest. I've seen enough horror and sci-fi movies in my life <laughs> right. that I, yeah. I know how this can go sideways. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, my blender's coming to kill me in my sleep, right? You know, something like that. But then also, there is a very real risk that at some point a company's going to do something uh, and take action against you for something it finds objectionable right. or could be objectionable. And I don't want to give them that amount of power. We saw that in, uh, was that last year in uh, Colorado? There was a town where people, they were having a heat wave. And in this town, a lot of people were saying, uh, I can't control my thermostat anymore. Well, it's because they had smart thermostats and they had unknowingly auto-enrolled in a program where the government can decide what your thermostat is set at. And they can do that. We currently work with a guy. He's got one of those apps. He sets his thermostat and his lights on and off. 
mm. based on the smartphone. I hate that, man. I hate that so much. But, I, I mean, they, they don't even call the guy to go, hey, what'd you say? What happened? Yeah. Some delivery guy said, hey, that was a racial slur. Boom, <laughs> shut you down. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. All right, it's the trifecta. Top three stories of the day, according to Scott Robbins. Number two is uh, the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, launching a new political action committee. Yeah, a fundamental freedom pack, which is hilarious coming from her. She said, today I'm launching a fight like hell pack to support candidates who fight like hell for working people and their fundamental freedoms. It's time to build on our momentum and support candidates who will deliver real, meaningful change. Join us. Now, she talks about the uh, fundamental freedoms. Let me remind you, this was the governor who would not allow you to buy seeds for your garden during the pandemic. Yeah. Same person who took away every freedom you have in the state of Michigan because of the stupid edicts that she put into place. Now she's yapping about freedom. Okay, uh-huh. got it. Yeah. Well, it's it's freedom for the state to do whatever it wants. Whenever it wants. Yeah. That's, that's really what they mean when they say freedom. But we're saying, well, it's February. People really aren't gardening anyway, and it won't. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Right. It was crazy, too, because you could still go into Walmart. Yes. But just certain sections were, it was were roped, roped off. off. Yes. So even if you're buying into the six-foot distance rule, you're yeah. actually corralling people into a smaller portion Space. of the store, which actually theoretically would put people more. Anyway, okay. None Man, of I just sense. want a bag of peat moss. Man, yeah. what do I have to do? <laughs> what is going on? All right. It's the trifecta top three stories of the day. According to Scott Robbins, we're down to number one. Jeopardy fans are telling me went nuts over the lack of response to a biblical clue. Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, now, when I talk about Jeopardy contestants, yeah. generally we speaking, we are talking about people with very high IQs. Oh, sure. With a knowledge of a lot of different things, right? Um, well, this happened on Jeopardy. And this is one of those situations where I think the majority of Americans would know the answer, but these three people did not. This was Tuesday. All three contestants failed to answer the question many believe to be very simple. The host, Mayim Bialik. Is that right? Did I get that right? I think so. Yeah, she uh, read the clue. Here's the clue, David. Matthew 6, 9 says, Our Father... Who art in heaven, blank be thy name. How one? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Lord's Prayer. No one got the answer correct. No one. <laughs> Laura, Joe, returning champion, Sharice, none of them. This just buzz on the response. Nothing. They had wow. On the, on the response. What, Three geniuses. What, is, what were they thinking? Uh, Frank be thy name? <laughs> <laughs> Some sort of gender thing? I don't. I don't. Know. I don't know. Be thy. <laughs> they them be thy pronouns. I don't know. <laughs> they them be thy name. That, well, that's, they, that's the thing, uh, man. You can be really book smart, but if you go through academia, yeah. you're you're being taught by godless communists. So uh, you wouldn't know that I, stuff. I think you could go out to the local mall, and I would guess at least seventy percent of the people would know the answer to that oh, question. Sure. Yeah, I mean, even even if you're not Christian, remotely religious. I, I mean, mean been to church a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty common phrase within the culture. I that is yes. really surprising that they <laughs> they didn't know that. All um, three, they know 17th century art, I'm is, sure, but uh, don't know that Skyler one. be thy name. Jeez, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Golly.
Yeah, dang. All right, we got, uh, I feel like we just did it, but we got Nimrods in the news coming yeah. up and a news update. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Markley, Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is uh, Scott Robbins. Uh, Jamie Markley is out. He'll be back tomorrow. Thank you. I'm sorry. I, I the, Okay. Uh, BBC broadcaster apologizes for using a slur on air. What was the slur about? It was about seaweed. Seaweed? Seaweed. BBC anchor profusely apologized after an environmentalist corrected him on air for using the offensive term seaweed when when referring to marine algae. The host, Amal (laughs) Rajan... Was not uh, was asked to not use the common nickname when talking about the ocean plant that has recently washed up on a beach on the southwestern co- uh, coast of the UK. Uh, this guy whose name is Chris Packham, <laughs> okay, it's actually yeah, Chris Packham said, "I'll politely ask you to mind your language. Can we call it marine algae rather than seaweed?" The weed word puts it at an immediate disadvantage, doesn't it? Okay. Then he apologized. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And that's important because I actually looked it up and I still got it wrong. Uh, okay. So we got to worry about seaweed rights now. Instead, see, okay. Is that like misgendering seaweed? Are you going to fire up a ball of algae this weekend? <laughs> That's called feel-good algae. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Okay, got it. I, okay. The, the, Dumb. Are there times when you just see news reports and think, I don't want to live on this planet anymore? Yes. <laughs> it's just the nut job. The lunatics are running the asylum. Oh, yeah. They are. It, it, seaweed is an offensive term. Okay. Well, there you go. Meanwhile, Merrick Garland answering questions today about the indictment of uh, former President Donald Trump. Uh, he says, I was not involved in the charging decisions, sort of. He was asked, what was your role? And he goes, so as you know, <clears throat> I can't tie Jamie does the impression better than I do, but yeah, he does. I'll try. I can't talk about the particular particulars of this or a- any other ongoing criminal matter. Uh, I, 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 as I said when I pointed <laughs> out, Mr. Smith, I, I did so because it underscores the Justice Department's commitment to both independence and, 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 and accountability. You know this guy ordered the code red, and you know Joe Biden asked for it. Come on. Anyway, we'll find out about that in like 18 months. It's time for Nimrod's in the news. Yeah, buddy, let's roll. Anytime now. Is your computer freezing up again? Yeah. There we go. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrod's in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. All right, Nimrod's in the news. A guy from Minnesota named Alan Duncan was just arrested for a series of robberies in Chicago a few months uh, a few months back. He got away with more than eight grand, but he left the money in the getaway car. That car was stolen, along with a total, actually, of $12,000 in cash from inside. So he successfully robs a few places. Well, then his car got stolen because it's Chicago, right? Not even thieves yeah. are safe. This is the Mark <laughs> Lee Van Camp and Robin Show.